What's up, people? Jamoke Davis with another episode of Just for Sport. I know I'm on a Tuesday, normally on a Monday. It was quite the fun weekend. Very entertaining, sports-wise, of course. We had NBA playoffs and the PGA Championship at a new time. Man, I wish I had picked Phil Mickelson to win it. Congratulations to everyone that did. Made a pretty penny, if you're into the betting kind of thing. If not, I'm sure you just enjoyed it, too. If you think about uh, 30's a new 20, it's 50 to new 40, whatever the case may be, to see the oldest player ever to win a major, then that is Phil Mickelson at 50, was pretty neat. It was pretty neat and very unexpected, I'm sure, for many. I'm sure of it. No, no, come on. No one expected Phil Mickelson to win it. And he did. And that was fun. That was truly a, a lot of fun to watch. What also was fun to watch is the NBA playoffs on the heels of the play and tournament that I thoroughly enjoyed. And seeing, you know, after that first game, my initial thoughts. Now, I would have had different thoughts if I was doing the show yesterday about the Bucks and Heat and the Nuggets and Trailblazers. But the good thing about what happened for me is. I got to have the chance to come down to reality a little bit. Monday, if I was doing the show, oh man, I would have been all about, oh, come on, Jokic, how is he the MVP? He can't even beat the Trailblazers. The Trailblazers are going to upset the Nuggets. And that's actually what I was thinking going into the playoffs. So my Thursday show as well. But it just would have really pushed that narrative more for me. Bucks Heat, I still think that that's going to be a series. But boy, after that overtime game in game one, that the Bucks won by two, 109 to 107. The Bucks came out in that game two and they said, yeah, we're not scared of you. Because I do think in a way there is a level of, you know, Pat Riley still runs that organization. He, they play the way Pat Riley wants them to, so to speak. That in my mind, I think there's still level of a level of his stamp on that organization and they're tough. They'll hit you in the mouth. They'll try to push you around. They'll try to bully you. And the Bucks stood tall in game two and crushed the heat. Now, I don't want to say that the series is over, but it'll be interesting to see what happens next. And the thing for me is that there is, when it gets into... Two days in between games, to me, it kind of takes away a little bit from that first game. That you're really, you know, you got to sit back and think a little bit. 
And the reason I really bring that up is that, you know, I look at the Hawks-Knicks as, to me, the best game one of the playoffs. And I would like to say, okay, yeah, Bucks heat could be one, but I think it was the difference that made the Hawks and Knicks game the best game of the game ones is the Hawks were playing in Madison Square Garden. It was Ice Trey, Trey Young's first playoff game. And he silenced the crowd. He made a big shot floating in the lane, little teardropper maybe you might call it, to beat the Knicks. In the Knicks, it had been a while since they had been in the playoffs. Julius Randle has really been at the center of the resurgence of the Knicks along with their coach, Tom Thibodeau. But if you remember when we were talking about the playoffs, you know, I was telling you, there's a run on Atlanta. People think Atlanta has a shot. Atlanta is favored at minus 250. The Knicks have home court advantage, but not anymore already. And Ice Trey, the reason I bring up the delay is that this helps the Knicks in a big way. Okay, they got game one. We've got Monday and Tuesday and really Wednesday, almost the entire day to kind of let some of the bad taste in the Knicks mouth go away. They get to reset for game two. That's a big difference. The same goes for Grizzlies and Jazz. Now, I will say that if Donovan Mitchell had played in that game versus Memphis, I think the Jazz would have won. But instead, the Grizzlies won 112 to 109, and John Moran, of course, was phenomenal. He was phenomenal. And I think that, you know, reading reports that Donovan Mitchell is irked by not playing in that game one, even though he was active. And if you think you are unsure if that really was a game time decision, if you were watching TNT before the game, you would have heard on the pregame show leading up to that Grizzlies Jazz game, they were all talking about how he may play. And Charles Barkley corrected, like, no, 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 he's not playing in game one. Then Ernie Johnson corrected himself. But he was trying to lead the conversation about, oh, Donovan Mitchell's back. And so Donovan Mitchell's irked he didn't play in game one, especially when they lose. So now the Grizzlies. Uh, have taken home court advantage away from the Jazz. And also, I think some of the stardom that comes along with a young player like Donovan Mitchell is gone because he hasn't played in so long. And people are loving John Morant. So Donovan Mitchell wants to be able to show, no, no, I'm the big dog here. 
I'm the star, and that's going to be a great matchup to watch. And I know they don't always play against each other. They have Mike Conley as a point guard. But I think as stars, it's going to be great to see them go at it. Because the Grizzlies go as John Morant goes. The Jazz, I would like to say go as Donovan Mitchell goes, but they're a more veteran-laden team, and they've proven it. They held on to this number one seed even after he went out. They have the sixth man of the year, which is official, in Jordan Clarkson. They're playing very well. Suns-Lakers. The Suns, I'm, I am happy that the Suns, basically, that they won the game. But I am disappointed in the NBA. It's not made into a big deal. But I do think in many ways the story, I guess you could say the answers we got about LeBron James, uh, unfortunately... Uh, he was not suspended for breaking NBA COVID protocols, and he went to an event that he said there was social distancing, everybody was tested beforehand. I mean, what are you going to do now? No team is going to complain about it, but, you know, LeBron James, not only should he have missed game one, but actually they're saying that he probably should have missed that play in tournament game against the Warriors. And so if nothing else, that makes me feel sad for the Warriors. Not as sad for the Suns because at least they still won that game. If they had lost game one, I, I would have been kind of bummed out. You know, talking to good friends of mine and other colleagues in the sports media business about, you know, oh, well, the NBA needs LeBron James in the playoffs. That ratings are down. They have to have him in the playoffs. And, you know, to an extent, we all understand the business of basketball, but it's it's still sad. It's still sad if you think that the Lakers, who are at minus 114 to win this round versus the Suns, or the Suns almost even, the Suns are at minus 108. Nobody wants the Suns to move on. And that's got to be deflating for a team and its fans when for the TV ratings and the amount of money that it brings in is more important than who wins that they're going to want to try to see the Lakers advance. Does that mean, you know... I mean, I don't know. It's, it goes into conspiracy theories. If all of a sudden we're watching game two, which is tonight at 10, and the Lakers are getting some early calls their way that put Phoenix in foul trouble, maybe it's a Devin Booker, maybe it's a DeAndre Ayton. You don't know. And I hope that's not the case. I'm not saying this to say that that's a fact. But I can hear the chirping and I get it. I definitely get it. And I hope that's not the case. 
Mavericks Clippers. I hope it's not the case that you just don't know what you're going to get with the Clippers. You really don't. I just feel like I don't understand them. Luka Doncic, a triple-double, 31 points, 11 assists, 10 rebounds. Tim Hardaway Jr., Dorian Finney-Smith, Chris Stapps Porzingis, and Jalen Brunson were all in double figures. I just, I don't know about the body language of the Clippers. I feel like you don't know what you're going to get with the Clippers as they lose at home 113 to 103 and thus have lost home court advantage. What are we going to see tonight? Who knows? I mean, it's how I feel. Who knows? In the last two games, I want to talk about Brooklyn Nets Celtics. Now, the Nets are favored. The likelihood of the Nets losing when you can, if you want to pick the Nets to win, you can get them at minus 3,335, which means there's no way you're, you think the Nets are going to lose. But that also means you can get some good value for the Celtics, who aren't the same. I mean, did anybody see the way that Jalen Brown was like, you know, tapping his leg the whole time on the sidelines? In that Celtics-Wizards playing tournament? I mean, it's definitely a long shot that the Celtics will, can somehow come back and win this series. There's no doubt about that. I mean, the Nets are so heavily favored, especially when you got Harden, Kyrie, and James. Now the question is, will they sweep them? I think they will. You're going to need a lot from the other players on the Celtics in order to even think that they can win. Evan Fournier can't just score 10 points. Kimber Walker can't just score 15 points. Marcus Smart, 17. You're going to need a lot more than that. Tristan Thompson, four points. Nope, that's not going to do it. They need Daniel Tice. Too bad they traded him. The one weakness is the length of the Nets, I think. They have an older five in DeAndre Jordan. We'll see what the Celtics can do. And Philly Wizards. So the game was pretty testy, I thought. I don't know what you thought, but, you know, it was getting a little chippy. As kind of how I expected it to be. Bradley Beal scored his customary 30-plus points. 13-23 from the field is not bad, 56%. Russell Westbrook, 16 points, shot 41%. 
Davis Bertans and Daniel Gifford made significant contributions. But I also think that with the Sixers, you know, not only are they the number one seed, Ben Simmons, only six points, 0 for 6 from free throw uh, in his free throw attempts. 0 for 6. Just keep fouling him. Send him to the line. Let him win it there. I just don't see how that's, I don't see how he's an all-star. I just don't see it. But what I do see is a better team that the Wizards are going to need everything to go perfect every night in order to them, for them to find a way to beat the Sixers. They're at plus 950 to win that series. They'll get a couple home games. That'll probably be it. But overall, I like the start of NBA playoffs, and I hope you are enjoying it as well. Hope you're enjoying it as well. I found an interesting story that I wanted to discuss as it relates to all sports. And the story starts with a very, very, very young player at the age of 15 that wants to play in the Professional Women's Soccer League. Olivia Moultrie. hope I said her name right. She is eligible to sign a contract with the, in the NWSL. 15 years old, playing professional soccer. It reminds me of Freddie Adu when he was able to play with the with DC United. I think he was 14, 15 at the time. And the judge has ruled that this 15-year-old, Olivia Moultrie, is eligible to sign a contract in the National Women's Soccer League with the Portland Thorns. She was 13 years old when she made her debut. 13. Now the judge ruled, you know, that the age restriction violates federal antitrust law and will cause irreparable harm to Moultrie because she practices in scrimmages with the Portland Thorns. I kind of disagree with that. But, you know, if you got the right lawyer and they draw up an agreement the right way. But I was thinking in my mind what this does for other sports that I'm sure are watching this. When you think of an AZ FUD who has to go to college, even though, you know, some might say she could play in the WNBA right now. She's going to go play at UConn. And has to for, I think, three years before she can declare as a pro and join the league. 
I'm sure she's looking at this and saying, why? Hold up. Let me think about this. Do I need to go play college ball? Can I just be a professional right now? What constitutes someone being ready to play a sport with professionals and picking a specific age when they can do it? You know, I know in college football or in the NFL, rather, you've got to play your, you know, four years of college ball before you can play in the NFL. One and done in the NBA. Baseball, you can go to single A. You can be signed at a younger age. But I always go back to what you and I are able to do. I remember I was earning my first paycheck at 15. Working alongside adults. And for me, it goes back to that basic fact that, you know, if you're at a young age and you're, you have a regular job, you're with adults too. You're learning, you're growing. What? Because these women are athletes or, you know, the men too are athletes that, oh, well, you're just, you're just not quite big enough, strong enough to play. That doesn't make sense. Even if you were working at the local Lowe's or McDonald's or dealership. Well, those professionals, those adults are more mature than you, bigger than you, older than you, have more experience than you. I just don't know how it became this thing that it was okay to put this bubble on sports. Oh, they're too young. It's not like everybody's trying to play. I think there should be a level of, well, they've got to be really good to get in at a young age. Yeah, I don't think the average 13-year-old should just be able to say, or 15, 16-year-old could just say, yeah, I want to play. I get that. But if you're at that talent level, and there is a team that wants you to play with them, then they should be able to do it. From a sports aspect, I gave you the human aspect as we all were at a young age. Maybe you were, maybe you weren't working a job right alongside adults. As you were 14 or 15, maybe 16 in some cases. But I also think the issue is to an extent U.S. sports are not set up like you see sports in Europe. I don't know if it's necessarily the same way in South America where they take you at a young age, but also in Asia. They take you at a young age and they mold you into a professional. We don't have that. Maybe we should. Maybe we need that. That would allow for someone of age someone of significant talent compared to their counterparts at their age to be able to play in some sort of a minor league. 
I actually think if they can figure it out, you know, I look at soccer and you think that, you know, a kid that's eight or 10 can play for the official Chelsea or Manchester City U8, U9 team. Oh, granted, United States is a lot bigger. So I get that than Europe in terms of the talent pool, in terms of the kids you'd have to kind of keep track of. But there's got to be some way you can do it. Let's take DC United for example. You've got your kids coming up in camp or in their junior leagues. I don't know if you necessarily need a DC United Midwest, DC United Central or West to be able to have your farm system of talent. But you can find a way to make it work. I mean, baseball to an extent already does it. So I shouldn't say it like Europe is the only place that they do it and same for Asia. But I think it's a different level of how it should be done. Now, I don't want to say that well, I don't want to say it. So I should I'm, I'm not saying that there is a racial component to it. I don't want to go that far. But there is an interesting understanding that in baseball and hockey, you can play sports at a much younger age professionally. And in football, is it because of how big you are? Same for basketball? Is that what it is? But those are the two sports that are predominantly African-American. And there is a barrier that keeps you from going right from high school to the pros. The way that you can if you want to join minor league in hockey or baseball. Is there something to that? Well, you got to think about it. Back in 1971, Spencer Haywood sued the NBA. And actually, that case was referenced in regards to this Olivia Moultrie, the soccer player who wants to play in the NWSL. This was a part of it, the Spencer Haywood case Haywood versus the National Basketball Association. It wiped away the rule that said a player was ineligible for the draft until four years after high school graduation. The lawyer for Olivia Moultrie put it in his reports and then or his filings in the case in district judge Karen Emergut in her ruling brought up Spencer Haywood judge Emergut found that the National Women's Soccer League unreasonably restrained competition in the same way the NBA's you know 4 years from high school rule did 
Now the NBA has since changed that. Now they're one and done, and then for a while they used to let high schoolers in. But I think when you're of a certain talent level, you should be allowed to be a pro when you're ready. Paige Beckers, she needed to play in college. Zion Williamson, did he need to play that one year at Duke? And who knows if him getting hurt hurt his chances in the NBA. As I was thinking after while I was getting ready to watch game one between the Jazz and the Grizzlies, I was thinking, wow, John Morant, who was picked number two behind Zion, is in the playoffs before Zion. And I talked to some friends wondering, hey, would you have drafted Ja? You think he would have been in the playoffs if he was with New Orleans? Maybe, maybe not. We'll never know. But if a player is ready to go pro, let him go pro. If a team wants him, if, a, if the league can, can get around this, oh no, they need to go to college first because it's important for their education. Are they going to be educated as a pro whether you want them to or not? Especially if it's one or done. Come on, one and done. What are we doing? And speaking of what are you doing, what is the PGA going to do about this rivalry, if that's what we want to just call it a rivalry, between Brooks Kepka and Bryson DeChambeau? It's beautiful. Now, first, I, I, I feel for Brooks, Brooks Kepka. It was sad to see the way the mob was coming up on the 18th green as Phil Mickelson was preparing to win the PGA Championship. Brooks Kepa said maybe he got hurt. Maybe somebody bumped his knee as he was walking up to the 18th green and maybe something different would have happened. Maybe. We doubt it, right? Come on. That was Phil Mickelson was going to win that, right? He was going to win that. No doubt. But Louis Wustaven and Brooks Kepa both finished at minus four. You know, I mean, it came down to the 18th grade. Maybe. I doubt it. But the bigger story to me that I understand, you know, golf holds itself in high esteem. You can't have rivalries the way that you kind of want to. But, you know, I think in reality, in reality, you've got to see this video, how Brooks Kepka is so enraged enraged at Bryson DeChambeau for walking behind him during an interview. I mean, it's just, it's just crazy. And he was so flustered that he had to stop the interview. He like lost his train of thought. I want to see more of this rivalry. They should put the two of them to have to tee off together way more often. And I know we're probably not going to get that, but hopefully, you know, on that final Sunday, it really needs to be of a major. It can't be of, you know, one of these tournaments that if you're a golf diehard, you're watching Thursday through Sunday. But if not, you're not really watching. It has to be a championship. It really does. 
But this video shows Kepka rolling his eyes at DeChambeau and really cursing during this post-round interview during the PGA Championship. Now, I think the issue with the Golf Channel is whoever was in charge of recording this or not was... (laughs) I mean, obviously they were recording it because they wanted the actual interview, but this was leaked footage. This footage should not should not have gotten out. But the funny thing is Kepka said he didn't care if it got out. He really didn't care if it got out. And I just thought it was just, it was wild. It was pretty wild. And I want to see this rivalry more of it, right? You love rivalries in sports, period. Whether it's Cowboys and Washington football team or I guess more recently is is Celtics-Lakers, but I was going to say Lakers-Clippers as a rivalry. You know, when players kind of go at it, you want to see that competition. And sometimes it spills off the field, or in this case, off of the green, off of the course. But it's, you got to see the video. And, and, and tell me if you can tell what DeShambo was talking about. Probably nobody knows except for the person who was walking with him. But Golf Channel never published the interview, but somehow the video leaked out today. And it's brilliant. We got to see a show about this. It's got that WWE feeling to it. We all want some drama. We all want some drama. And that'll do it for Just for Sport. I hope I've given you something to think about. Something that will give you a little bit of drama as you talk with your friends about sports. Whether it's Olivia Moultrie, how young should players play professionally? In the end, I'm saying let her play. Let her play. And I hope it works out for her. I really do. What you think about Bryson versus Brooks or the NBA? Can the NBA really survive without the Lakers? Are we? Are they going to get all the calls that kind of allow them to upset the Phoenix Suns? But we also got some French Open action coming up soon. So, you know, I always got to bring that up. That's the next level for me. Grand Slams, we got to talk tennis. French Open is the next one up, so I'll do that on Thursday. That's it for Just for Sport. Ciao for now.